0: all right welcome in latest episode of that sec podcast i'm your host michael Brett, go by sec mike on twitter and flying solo as you could tell in the new studio but uh man we got a loaded show i didn't want to go another day without uh covering these topics i w- want to make sure you guys got something to listen to heading into the weekend Lots of news around the SEC. We got SEC media days update. Going to get into that in just a second. SEC championship odds have been updated. We got uh, Pew Freeze spoke today to open Auburn spring camp. They've been practicing since Tuesday, but the first time that uh, Auburn's coach met with the media, so we'll have comments from there. We got a mailbag question. I forgot that we even had the hotline, so I should probably mention that more. Uh, it's a Google line that Google said hey if you don't use this line anymore we're deleting it so this is the perfect time to get in on the voicemail line that that call in line 615-965-5152 gonna play a really good voicemail from there you can also text text in if you don't want to call in and we'll get it at the call in line 615-965-5152 we'll get to that and then how about breakout players all across the sec specifically second year breakout players i got one for every sec team so like i said it's gonna be a loaded show let's dive right into it oh man we already we got some aggies in here we got some longhorns i appreciate all you guys jumping in here early and i hope you guys appreciate it i put the the aggie flag up there uh, I found that in the closet, so I'm, I'm glad we got that back rolling. But hey, SEC Media Days right around the corner. Well, not really, but for us it is. Uh, let's talk about Monday. I, I made a little graphic here and everything for first time for Texas and Oklahoma, obviously. So it's going to be a loaded SEC Media Days. We'll have Brian Kelly and LSU, Clark Lee and Vanderbilt, Shane Beamer, South Carolina, and Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. For SEC Media Days, Monday, July 15th in Dallas. First time the event's going to Dallas. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And Shane has provided comments on, on each of these days. So Shane says, day one, this is going to be the soundbite day, which <laughs> I can get all bored with that. Late Kiffin, Shane Beamer, and maybe even family, uh, Brian Kelly on Monday. All right, how about Tuesday? This is the one everyone's fired up about. Tuesday, July 16th, SEC Media Days. Kirby Smart and George will be down there. Brent Venables in Oklahoma. Josh Heupel in Tennessee. How, how convenient. Oklahoma and, and Josh Heupel at Media Day at the same time. And, oh, the new kid on the block, so to speak. Eli Drickwitz and company. Missouri and Oklahoma and Tennessee standing on business. Shane says this could be epic here, and I agree completely. I mean, it's, it's not often Kirby Smart gets o- overshadowed. And I th- he may <laughs> on this day, uh, but I mean I, he is the authority. Something that Hugh Freeze gets into here. We'll, we'll play that clip in a minute. But he, Kirby Smart's basically the authority of SEC coaches now. So uh, that's going to be a great one Wednesday. Billy Napier of Florida, if he's still the coach. Steve Sarkeesian in Texas, his media days debut it for the SEC at least. Kaelin DeBoard at Alabama, almost forgot that damn guy's name. He doesn't cuss, apparently, uh, so he'll never be on this show if I had to guess. And then Jeff Levy, Mississippi State. Shane's dubbed this Coach Speak Day, <laughs> which this may be the one to snooze on here a little bit. And then last but not least, Thursday, Sam Pittman in Arkansas, Hugh Freeze-Auburn, Mike Elko, Texas A&M, and Mark Stoops, Kentucky, on Thursday, July 18th. Shane has dubbed this guys i'd want to grab a beer with so uh hey anybody in and around dallas or you want to come down we've not finalized anything for uh the media days but we're planning a, a get together like we did last season we did it in nashville before media days we're going to do this one i think on thursday to cap sec media day so if you want to drive down or you're in texas whatever uh basically just get come get hammered with us shane had about 20 beers at the event last year so we had about 40 people show up we're hoping to get even bigger crowd we're just going to do it annually here so media days in dallas coming up it's going to be great uh can't wait for that and hey we got updated sec championship odds via bet online i'm gonna run down these real quick georgia no surprise Two to one to win. This is to win the SEC championship this upcoming season, not the national championship. Georgia two to one. I'm still. I've got to blown away by, by all this Texas hype. Two and a half to one Texas, far and away, second best odds to win the SEC championship next season. That's that's wild. Uh, shout out. I don't think Shane's on yet. I sent him the link, but I. Christopher wants to know if he's in a beach bikini. Picks yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm getting distracted. Old Miss third best odds, six and a half to one to win the SEC championship. What a time to be alive for Old Miss fans. They've been bitching nonstop. They couldn't see the helmet. So I moved it. I moved it right here. It's it's basically front and center to calm you people down. This is the best time that I can remember being an Old Miss fan and you're not even associated with Hugh Freeze. So it's an even better time, in my opinion. Uh, give me Lane Kiffin over Hugh Freeze any day of the week. But you got the third-best odds to win the SEC next season. What? A, I mean, it's just I couldn't imagine being happier. Alabama, 9-1, to one, same odds as Tennessee. So this is pretty interesting. Can't take a step back. Uh, Michael Rowley says, where's the Vanderbilt helmet? It's behind me. Until they take football serious, I'm not going to take their helmet seriously, so it's behind me there. But uh, <laughs> Alabama, Tennessee, 9-1. This is going to be a pivotal year for both those programs. See what Alabama can do. See what if Tennessee can bounce back or if they were a one-year wonder. That game's in Neyland Stadium this year. So I think Josh Heupel and company, they they got a lot to prove, as does Alabama, strangely enough. But I actually like Alabama's odds. Probably the best on the board at 9-1. to I think they – they can get it done. LSU ten to one to win the SEC championship. I'm, I don't like those odds. I gotta be honest with you. Ten to one LSU. I think they're a little bit longer than that personally. Now I love this one too. Missouri eleven to one. Keep sleeping on them Tigers. Given that schedule they've got, uh, I that again, they're going to be favored in probably ten games next year. So if you can pull an upset or two, you may be undefeated. Missouri Tigers, which will put you right in that SEC Championship game. Now, a big drop here Texas AM 22 to 1. Auburn and Oklahoma both 50 to 1 to win the upcoming SEC Championship. Kentucky 80 to 1. South Carolina 90 to 1. Florida 100 to 1. How bad is it that Florida is this far down the list? I mean, I, I hate it for you, Florida fans. This is not where you belong. Mississippi State. Oh, wait, almost skipped Arkansas. Arkansas, 125 to 1. Whew. Mississippi State, 200 to 1. And Vanderbilt, 250 to 1. Probably should be 250,000 to 1. But, uh, you know, throw your buck on Vanderbilt. It's worth 250 bucks going to bed all lied. So uh, <laughs> there we go. And again, the best odds, I think, if you want to put some money down, probably Missouri at 11 to 1. I'm not saying they're gonna win the SEC, but I, I like the value there. And I really like the value on Alabama nine to one. Because Georgia's gonna be a heavy favorite. I get it. But they're two to one. There's just not much value there in the Georgia Bulldogs. And it remains to be seen how much uh, you know, how much is a SEC championship even worth in this new format? Because third place, maybe even fourth, maybe even fifth place in the SEC is going to the college football playoff. So, I don't know. I, I could see a scenario where, like last year, Brock Bowers was banged up, Ladd McConkey was banged up. In a 12-team model, they probably would have sat out the SEC championship because Kirby would have said, up. It's not worth it to get them even more injured before we go into the, the college football playoff. And I hate that we're in that scenario, but that's what it is, in my opinion. But hey, all right, so I teased it again, the voicemail line. We got to get more calls in, and this is the perfect time to get them in, to be featured on the show. Give us a call, 615-965-5152, or you can even text into that line now. I totally forgot about that, but we do have one on here. Really great, great question here. Unfortunately, didn't leave a name, so I don't even know who this is, but uh, you'll recognize your voice and your question. So let's kick it over to the voicemail line.
1: Hey, cousin Mike, cousin Shane, calling again, called in yesterday. Uh uh keep up the good work. Love you guys. Been been uh, listening to y'all for a little over a year now. Great podcast. Uh Mike again uh called in with, with I guess some criticism uh yesterday adding to it again today uh uh Mike, given Nico, uh, you know Ray and Heisman, he's the savior. He's he's automatically going to be the next tendon hooker. Best best thing you guys have seen. Uh, doesn't that contradict your uh, your analogy against Sark, uh, Coach Sark? What he's doing down in Texas? You say, oh, it feels like we're just giving it to him. Feels like we're just giving it to him after he's uh, again not a Texas Homer at all. I, I'm not. I could. Glad they're in the league but could care less uh, about about uh, their record and stuff but uh uh you know you feel, say it feels like they're you're giving it to them after they just uh, won the big 12 and went to the playoff uh you're slowing the hot train down on texas but uh speeding the hot train up on nico so uh explain explain that logic to me man uh well-
0: i love any call that says explain yourself sir so <laughs> let's get into it why we hyping up Nico when he's not proven it and Sarkeesian, I guess you could say he's proved it because he did win the big 12 went to the college football playoff, but I don't think these are comparable Nico who's started one football game to see Steve Sarkeesian who has coached as a head coach for 10 years in major college football in, t- in 10 years. Sarkeesian has only won nine or more games twice. Now, he did it last year. We have to give him credit for it in a weaker junior league. But uh, look, the two years that he won nine or more, Southern Cal 2014, first year as a head coach, well, Southern Cal won 10 games the previous year. So he actually took him a step down. And then the next year, of course, he was fired. Maybe you write that off as he was having issues. I, you know, Again, I'm not holding that against him. But last year was the other year, obviously, that, that Sarkeesian led his team. To nine or more wins. Only the second time he had done that, the other time he inherited a 10 win team, and they took a step back. But last year at Texas, how many times you look up their schedule, did they face competition that was equal or greater than them? I, I think there's only one game where that actually happened. That was Alabama. Now, credit to Texas, they beat the hell out of Alabama and they did it in Tuscaloosa. So, you know, that, you could certainly point to that game and say that's the turning point of the Steve Sarkeesian era, but the rest of the way, did not face a single team with more talent than what he had, and he's lost two games. And that includes Oklahoma, who it's not fair to say they were rebuilding, but Oklahoma, overall talent-wise, was not on par with Texas last season. They lost that game, and certainly Washington, not of the Even though they got really good players, I'm, I'm not trying to say that was like I mean, Texas was favored in that game. But I don't know how you can compare that to Nico, who he's only had one start and he won MVP of that game, scored four touchdowns. And I'm not even I'm not even one time you cannot find me on this show that has put Nico as some God's gift of football. I've not said he's a Heisman favorite. That's other people like Barrett Salee. We did our quarterback room grades the other day. I put Tennessee sixth or seventh. Can't remember, but uh, again, I think Nico is going to be really good. But I don't know. I'm basing that on a lot on Josh Heupel and his proven track record of coaching up these quarterbacks. I'm basing that on a lot of their experience on the offensive line returning. I love what Tennessee's got at running back. More on that in just a second. And then what they have at receiver. I mean, all the pieces are there for Nico to have a really good season Whereas Sarkeesian's got, he's had 10 years to prove something to me. And he's just not really done it other than last year, which again, that was a junior league and there ain't going to be one game where Texas is facing, uh, equal competition. There's, there's about four or five of them this season. So we'll see if Sarkeesian wins the SEC, he's, he's an elite coach next year. But until that point in time, I, I don't see it. So that's the difference there. All right. So, Getting into uh, Hugh Freeze real quick. He met with the media here on Thursday to discuss Auburn spring practice. And what's everybody want to talk about, of course? The quarterbacks. Peyton Thorne, can he get any better than he showed last season? Can any of the younger guys push him? Here's what Hugh Freeze had to say about Auburn's quarterback competition, which doesn't sound like it's really a competition. Sounds like they're basically going to give the job to Peyton Thorne. At least that's my my view on it after hearing these uh, comments from Hugh Freeze.
2: Coach, you said after the bowl game, you would have an open QB competition this spring. What does that look like? And, you know, how do you narrow down this spring to make sure you're doing that in the most effective way? Yeah, that's uh, the hardest thing is when you have four guys that you really want to get looks at is, is getting them all quality reps. Um, we, we would chart every single rep. And Endo, every single rep on footwork. Um, I've got a team of three guys that are charged with that and um, decision-making, execution, and um, getting them quality reps. Obviously, uh, you, you're going to get really good looks at Peyton and Holden and, and Hank. And and then you want to get Walker some because he's, he, I think he's so talented. I mean, his arm strength's phenomenal. He made throws the other day that are, are I mean, it takes great arm strength to to make, but he's swimming and everything's coming at him really fast right now. And uh, we've got to find a way to slow that down and get him quality reps too. So it's, it's a challenge to do that, but we're going to find out who, who grades out the best at at leading our football team and executing the, 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 the plan that we're putting in place. And uh, you only do that through, through great reps. We're, we're going to spend a lot of time, I'm doing a little something different this year on, on Tuesdays and Saturdays when we return from spring break are really going to be high-low days, uh, padded days. Thursdays, we're going to just teach. Uh, I mean, just teach, be great coaches and teachers, and I think that's going to help our quarterbacks also and our young receivers who I'm really excited about, but we got to teach them a lot of things, and so we're going to uh, take that approach this uh, this spring, but You got to get the quarterbacks, the reps, and see who executes. Day one, it was a very, very challenge. Y'all were out there. The win, that was a challenging day for quarterbacks, um, for sure. I thought Hank Brown threw it extremely well in those conditions and anxious to see his continued growth along with the others. Every spot is wide open in my mind right now. Now, let me be clear. I think Peyton has done an incredible job since January of taking the leadership role and setting the standard. Do I think it's his to lose? Yes. But um, he's got to go earn it every day, and uh, we're not in a position where we can just say that it's it's given to somebody. He, he's got to, you know, we're changing uh, our whole verbiage, our whole system back to what I'm comfortable with, and um, I need to see who has the best grasp on that.
0: all right so again just listen to those comments sounds like it's peyton thorn is going to be the guy now things can change obviously but uh he won't go into the transfer portal at least says he won't and um uh, I, I don't know we'll have to see who's there after spring but it seems very unlikely given their quarterback right right room right now they've got four guys right there there's not many quarterbacks that are going to be eager to jump into that unless somebody else leaves so I don't know. It's early in camp, but it's really got to be the players around the quarterback that have got to help out. I really do think because I, again, last year it was the tight end that led the team and he had like 28 catches, 300 some yards, and he was their leading catcher, uh, receiver and yards in terms of uh, receiving. So uh, just dreadful last season. They attacked that via recruiting. They, They attacked that via the portal. Let's see if that's any better, but I don't know. I'm I'm just not a huge believer, but I thought this was interesting too. The only other thing that really stood out to me from Hugh's spring debut here, he was asked about how different is it without Nick Saban, and uh, some interesting comments here from Hugh Freeze. And he kind of went on a tangent about where the direction of college football and all these things. But I thought fans would appreciate these comments.
1: And uh, just a follow up: How has that absence, I guess, changed the league already?
0: Um,
2: there wasn't, uh, in our most recent SEC head coaches meeting, there, 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 there wasn't a guy that was willing to yell and scream as much, uh, in there. We got to find out who that guy is. I think it's going to be Kirby. Um, he, it comes a little more natural to him when, when, when we don't like something to, uh, voicing it, we always kind of depended on Nick to, to, to voice that in a forceful manner for us. And, uh, um, I think that's probably going to be given to Kirby, um, but it hadn't, you know. I don't think the game has changed so much that it's it's really, it's really hard to separate, you know, Nick's departure from all this other stuff we got going on. And um, the game is just constantly changing. Even now, I guess they're in Indianapolis, I believe, and deciding if we're having five or ten signing days, or I don't know how many how many we're we up to now. And um, um, I, I don't know the game is definitely changing and we're all searching for, uh, some parameters and sanity around it. And truthfully, um, I'm not sure anybody has the exact solution, um, to what protects our game. It's, it's one that we all love so much and it has such passion and energy. And unfortunately, it's tied to a lot of money, too, which which is part of the part of the dynamic that causes us all, you know, some of these issues. And um, but boy, I sure don't want our game to 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 lose what it's meant to so many people over the years, even you guys who have great jobs to cover the what I think is the greatest sport. Um, but it is in danger, I think, of of us, you know, losing some of the love that people may have for it because of uh all the the different dynamics that are going on and i think all of us are just searching for man give us some some parameters that uh that we all can work within and have some type of sanity and peace around particularly building your roster and maintaining it
0: so that to me that sounds like a coach that's uh you know ringing the bell emergencies that that the state of college football now i'm not one of these people doom and gloom you know ratings are up interest is up the sec is never going to be better with oklahoma and texas joining and the new format of the league I, I mean i think it's going to be awesome but for the rest of college football it's probably not as awesome but i don't know at the end of the day if the sec cares or not but i think they should because if if people just don't care in a vast majority of the country especially when we have a 12 team maybe a 14 maybe a 16 team playoff and they're all southern schools well actually you could probably talk me into that but again i just don't i don't i don't think it helps the overall game because i think we all grew up even if we we didn't care about you know oregon or southern cal or ucla or any of those damn teams but they're special moments like boise state upsetting oklahoma would will that happen in the new format with Boise, anytime they have a good player, probably just transfers to the SEC. I don't know. I, I think that's just something to, something to think about when uh, it, as we march towards what seems to be just even more of a mini NFL, and there's a reason I don't like NFL. It's I like college. All right, one other thing, one clip here. I thought this was great. Luther Burden. I wish I knew where this video came from. I couldn't find it. Uh, who originally posted it, but Luther Burton talks about the upcoming EA Sports College football video game, and he says he should be a 99 on the game.
2: Definitely played that growing up, man. So for me to be in the game and like actually like be good on the game is like really pretty cool. So, uh, you know, I'm super excited, super blessed, um, and I'm ready to, uh, you know, play it. My range should be a 99 for sure, Oh you know? so and Mizzou,
0: i say we need like a at least like a 95. a 99 for sure i mean i put him 98. i knew shane was gonna get mad at that but i had him as the uh the highest rated player in the sec if you miss that let's see i may still have that graph it up and you know i got no problem with uh no there's a different one sorry but I mean, he probably will be a 99. He's so damn good. So uh, I just leave a little room for improvement. There's always room for improvement there for Luther Burton. But he's up there with a chip bag for a reason. So I thought that was great. And, hey, one other uh, item before we get to the breakout players all across the SEC. South Carolina hired hired a receivers coach named Mike Furry. And, hey, if you're like me, I said, who in the hell is this Mike Furry? I mean, what are we doing down here? in Columbia Beamer are, are we just hiring anybody but then I did some research and I gotta tell you I'm I'm pretty damn impressed with this guy he was head coach at Limestone which I never heard of that either but that's in Gaffney test uh, South Carolina division two school so okay went eight and four the last two years nothing remarkable about that but he played in the NFL he coached in the NFL for four seasons and two of those years uh, his team, the Chicago Bears, went to the playoffs. He played for the Bears, excuse me, the Rams, the Lions, and the Browns. And in 2006, he led the NFC with 98 catches and 1,086 yards and seven touchdowns. He was twice nominated for the Walter, uh, Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year and won the 2009 JB Award named after James Brown, the, uh, not the singer, the NFL announcer, which is uh, given to community service. So, I mean, you're getting a, a guy that's, that has done it, that has coached before, has been a head coach, he's been a standout in the NFL. I mean, what more could you ask for from a position coach out of uh, Mike Ferry? So I, I think this was a hell of a hire, someone that I didn't know who he was, and now I'm kind of a, ashamed, I thought <laughs> – This was a terrible hire. I think this is an outstanding hire to enter spring football with if I'm a South Carolina here. All right, so breakout players all across the SEC. And I'm just going second-year players because I think that's – we all got hype for, you know, these incoming transfers, five-star freshmen, but it's always that second year when a guy really typically takes off. I mean, we've seen guys like Johnny Manziel, when Heisman in his second year, Henning Hooker a couple years ago at Tennessee, Jaden Daniels last year at LSU, it's a common theme. I mean, it's you know you need to get acclimated to college and to your surroundings, coaching staff, on and on and on. It's that second year that you really take off. And little caveat here, I took out quarterbacks because I think quarterbacks little too obvious to be breakout players like a Jackson Arnold or a Nico at Tennessee. I mean, those are no brainer breakout players because if they're any good at all they're going to have put up big time numbers because of their starting quarterback in the sec so let's go through this alabama we'll just going in alphabetical order here i think it's going to be running back justice haynes with jace mcclellan and roydell williams no longer on the roster this is a five star that georgia wanted that alabama had to beat out quite frankly i'm surprised he's still in tuscaloosa rushed uh, 25 times last year for 168 yards and two touchdowns and with all the transition i would imagine i know DeBord gets labeled as just some passing quarterback guru i think they're going to lean pretty heavily on the ground game so give me justice haynes i think he's going to have a big season sophomore season for alabama how about uh, arkansas love this guy when we saw him last year tight end luke haas he had already started to break out then he unfortunately got hurt only played in five games Got hurt against early against A&M. But he had 16 catches last year, 253 yards, and three touchdowns. And against LSU, six catches, 116 yards in that back-and-forth game. This before Arkansas kind of quit on the season. So uh, I, th- I think Luke Hawes is in line in Bobby Petrino's offense to have a huge year for the Razorbacks. Don't forget about him. Auburn. It's kind of a tricky one for me, but I'm going with running back Brian Batie, who just didn't get much run last year. He entered the portal, but he decided to withdraw from the portal. Now with Hugh Freeze taking over the play-calling duties. Uh, again, Peyton Thorne, obvious candidate here, but I'm taking quarterbacks off the table. So give me Batie, 51 carries last year, 227 yards and a touchdown. But more importantly, kick return, 654 yards. This guy was awesome at South Florida. We transferred in last year, just didn't make much of an impact. I think with a new offense, I think Batie is is poised to really take off this year and be kind of a multifaceted receiver, running back, return man for the Auburn Tigers. Give me uh for Florida. Already saw it in the comments there. Easy one. Eugene Wilson. I mean, I think he could be borderline All-American this year. He was a standout freshman. For the florida gators 61 catches 538 yards six touchdowns last season that led the team with six touchdowns and he was second in receptions receiving yards and receiving yards per game so i think eugene wilson year two in college football is kind of a a chess piece they can move all over the board and i i think a lot of the other second year receivers elevate their games help eugene wilson be a more dynamic playmaker for the Florida Gators this year. Mmm. A cup of water here. I'm running out of breath. Georgia. I know they lost a uh, big-time linebacker to Kentucky. But they ain't sweating it in Athens. Because they got C.J. Allen, who was star freshman, played 14 games last year, five starts, had 41 tackles. C.J. Allen, remember the name. He's going to be the next star defensive player at the linebacker position for Glenn Schumann down in Athens. I, I think he's going to be an All-American immediately next season. C.J. Allen, he's in for a big year for the from the dogs. Here's a name not a lot of people probably know, Kentucky defensive lineman Keyshawn Silver. Started 11 games last year. You guys, if you listen to the show a lot, know I love Dion Walker, defensive tackle. I think he's one of the best players in all the country. Silver lines up next to him. He a former five-star out of North Carolina, transferred in last season from North Carolina, I believe. I think he's primed to all the, the double teams and the coverage that Deion Walker's going to get. I think it's going to elevate Silver's game. Dynamic one-two combo for the Kentucky Wildcats. Look for him to break out this year. How about uh, LSU? This is a tough one. LSU's got a lot of big-time second-year players, but I'm going with receiver. Aaron Anderson, the transfer from Alabama, he once ran a uh, 10-700 meters dash. He's quick as hell, kick returner, slot receiver type, and now with uh, Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors off to the NFL, LSU's got a ton of catches to figure out who who are we going to give this ball to, and I think Aaron Anderson is going to be a big, big breakout star for the LSU Tigers this year, Uh, another five-star returner, or five-star recruit, excuse me, when he originally signed with Alabama. And he was the one after the uh, Alabama-LSU game. Nick Saban kind of teased him, said, you never should have left here. We would have used you or something like that. uh, That was great. Uh, How about uh, Ole Miss? I'm going with linebacker Sundarine Perkins, former five-star recruit, true sophomore, 38 tackles last year, five-and-a-half tackles for loss, three-and-a-half sacks two of which came against Alabama, but he kind of petered out, hit that freshman wall in Pete Golding's second year with the system, second year with Perkins. I think uh, uh, all the names that Ole Miss has added, this is one that kind of gets overlooked as will be elevated, his game, with guys like Walter Nolan and uh, linebacker from uh, Arkansas that they added this offseason. I mean, I I think that helps guys like Suntarine Perkins that uh, you know won't all be on his shoulders you can just see ball get ball like the water boy out there so uh, I'm, i might start calling perkins a water boy how about mississippi state a guy that uh flashed early but again i don't think he fit whatever the hell they were trying to do on offense last year which is uh no slight to him it's more on the coaching staff creed Whittemore, i think that uh he he's primed to have a big impact slot receiver Played in 12 games last year for Mississippi State. He's going to fit what Jeff Levy wants to do to a T. Think of uh, if you watch Oklahoma back, Drake Stoops fitting that kind of role. He did score twice in his college debut last season at Mississippi State, but uh, didn't score again the rest of the year. Had 11 catches and 102 yards. And 11 catches in that offense is pretty prolific. It was that God awful. So I like Creed Whittlemore to break out for Mississippi State. Missouri? Couple good candidates here, but I went with tight end Brett Nortfleet. I think, uh, with all the attention Luther Burden and Theo Weiss are going to generate on the outside, I think that's going to open it up in the middle of the field for this star sophomore tight end. Played in 12 games last year, started the final seven. He had 18 catches, 197 yards, and three touchdowns. Averaged nearly 11 yards per catch for Missouri. I think he's got a big time impact next season for the Missouri Tigers. How about uh, Oklahoma? I like defensive back Peyton Bowen. He was a uh, Sean Alexander freshman of the war, of the year semifinalist in his first college season, played in 12 games, 33 tackles, one sack, and he blocked two kicks, which led the Big 12 former five-star. I'm really impressed the more I watch. I'm going back and watching all the games but really oklahoma and texas studying them up as much as i possibly can right now to just see what things that i missed uh and i think oklahoma's defense is going to be pretty damn good next year brent venable's group took a big step up next season year three i anticipate they'll take an even bigger step maybe one of the top couple of defenses in the entire sec so watch out for that how about South Carolina? I'm going Nick Harbor, another easy one, former five-star track athlete, freak athlete, and uh, Coach Ferry is going to be coaching him up now. He he played in 12 games last year, started the final five, uh, caught 12 passes, 195 yards, averaged 16.3 yards per catch last season. He's got a long way to go to become a complete receiver, but uh, in this Dow Loggins offense, I'm going to be fascinated to see what Nick Harbor can do. How about Tennessee? I like Cam Seldon. A lot of candidates for Tennessee, but we need help at running back with uh, Jabari Small and Jalen Wright off to the NFL. And, uh, you know, our starting running back, he can't do it all. So give me Cam Seldon. Played in all games, all 12 games last year, 25 carries, 106 yards, but 55 of those rushing yards came in the, the bowl game in Iowa when uh, jabari small and jalen wright opted out so i think uh this is another speed demon run the 10 7 100 meter dash cam Seldon, think of like a alvin kamara type can run it can catch it be a receiver can be a running back i think he's in for a huge year how about texas texas had uh all kinds of candidates here I, i i really didn't want to narrow this down but i had i had to pick one and I went with uh, linebacker Anthony Hill, who he had a great game against Alabama. He's unblockable at times. He was the co-Big 12 freshman of the year, or yeah, defensive freshman of the year, another Sean Alexander freshman of the year award semifinalist, played in 14 games with six starts, 66 tackles, eight tackles for loss, five sacks, one forced fumble, and another. he's another five, former five-star recruit. I think Anthony Hill... Maybe one of the best pass rushers in the entire SEC this season. How about AM? i A&M? I'm going Ruben Owens, running back. He, he played in every game last year for the Aggies, but didn't have a huge impact. I'm putting all that on Jimbo. Jimbo was trash. We all know it. Uh, but Ruben Owens rushed for 385 yards, 3.8 yards per carry, three touchdowns, which was second on the team in, in rushing and touchdowns rushing, I believe. So, Another former five-star, I think the change to Colin Klein's offense is going to be huge for Ruben Owens. And then last but not least, I know we'd like to kid Vanderbilt. We got your helmet back here, Vanderbilt. But uh, they do have a really good second-year running back, Cedric Alexander. He was SEC All-Freshman team, played in all 12 games, led Vanderbilt in rushing and rushing touchdowns, led the SEC freshman with 371 rushing yards the only SEC freshman to score four or more rushing touchdowns, and he's back for another year. He did not hit the portal like so many of these others. That <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to get the rock at Vanderbilt next season. It's going to be Cedric Alexander because we have no idea who in the hell their quarterback is, or who any of their receivers are, because they all transferred out. So uh, basically with process of elimination there on said Alexander. But uh yeah, so there's my 16 breakout second-year players in the SEC next season. Man, I just I can't wait for it. I, this is going to be the best season, and we're talking media days already. I know it's like six months out, but Shane and I are already game planning on, on meetups and what we're going to do down there, and hopefully the NCAA video game's out so maybe we can find a way to bring a TV down there and a PS5 and do some battles down there i mean i I don't know but it's gonna be fun no no doubt about it uh but that's all i got on this episode of the show a little bit of a quicker one but uh i do appreciate each and each and every one of you for hanging out and for uh especially during the off season you know this is it's tough to come up with creative content for sec football in late february early march but we got some great stuff coming we got some big-time interviews scheduled to come in in-studio. That'll be in the coming weeks, so be on the lookout for that. And, uh, hey, that's all I got. So I hope everyone has a great weekend. I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next... Oh, and Cousin Shane says he'll be back all Monday. So not Sunday, but Monday. Cousin Shane back from the long vacation, and I'm going to make him do a lot more appearances now that he's had about two months off seemingly since since Nick Saban retired basically cousin Shane retired but uh, we're dragging him back on the show he's going to be working on a new set himself so we're gearing up for the 2024 SEC season but that's all I got I appreciate each and every one of you we'll catch you on the next one